it's looking like BC may be in for yet another bad wildfire season. Already on northern Vancouver Island near the village of Sayward, there's a big one right now. Last word, it was about 90 hectares in size, four helicopters, 60 firefighters working that one. But it's looking like we can expect a hot, dry summer. The meteorologists are saying that we are transitioning from an extended period of La Nina into an El Nino pattern. I don't know what that means, but we've already had some pretty hot days. And as Christy Gordon told us, that next week's going to be a hot one as well. And with lots of fires comes lots of smoke, sometimes lasting for days in the lower mainland. And uh, they can tell you to stay inside, drink a lot of water, avoid strenuous exercise. But what about the mental health implications? Because there's nowhere to go when you're outside and all the air is compromised. It, it really can be quite terrifying, an existential threat. And Dr. Matthew Chow is the chief mental health officer at TELUS Health, and he's with us now. Hi, Dr. Chow. Good afternoon. Yeah. So let, let's talk about, uh, about the mental health implications of all this smoke, because it seems like whenever we're in the midst of a wildfire crisis, uh, and a health crisis, the first priority is the medical health of people. But the mental health aspect is, uh, I guess, something we should not be ignoring. Absolutely. Um, we've certainly learned the hard way that there is no health without mental health. Um, and certainly over the last couple of years, um, there have been plenty of reasons for, for people to experience a deterioration of mental health. Of course, the pandemic, um, the life-saving restrictions that were put into place, the social isolation that people experienced, job losses, uh, and now economic certain uncertainty, and, and, and now these wildfires. Um, lots of strain on people. Yeah, and I, I guess part of that that is is the isolation, especially people who, you know, older people who live alone, they can't go outside. Yeah, absolutely. Um, people are caught between a rock and a hard place. On the one hand, we know that uh, social isolation is both physically and mentally harmful for people. We are social creatures. We are meant to engage with each other socially. Uh, but at the same time, you know, breathing in all these particulates, especially if you're someone that has underlying health vulnerabilities, is also a problem. Um, so it's a tough bind for people to be in. Yeah, and I, I have a very vivid memory. I think it was about two or three years ago, and the, the air in Vancouver was really bad, and I went outside, and I just had this overwhelming feeling that all the air was compromised. And it was, it was quite terrifying to, to realize there's really nowhere to go. Yeah, I, I, I remember those, uh, those, those seasons. I remember the heat dome, of course, uh, you know, where we had a spectacular wildfire season, you know, even erased an entire community, you know, off the map um, because of because of fire. Uh, and so, you know, you described it as an existential threat. And certainly you can feel that way when the sky looks like, you know, you're on, on Mars. Um, that being said, there are there are measures people can take physically to protect themselves. You know, the BC Centers for Disease Control has advice about uh, moving to clean air, you know, using air filtration indoors. Um, being in air-conditioned spaces to protect yourself from some of those particulates. Um, and also on the mental health front, we can take proactive steps, you know, to reduce social isolation, to, to improve and maintain our mental health, um, and to reach out to other people that are, that are vulnerable. 
And I'm hearing a lot about new research that is showing that it affects people's brains, all the smoke that they're breathing in. Sometimes it, it's just grogginess, but it makes it harder to concentrate. And we are learning more about those effects, aren't we? Yeah, we're, we're learning the air we breathe. You know, it's not just about oxygen and carbon dioxide exchange. Um, you know, which, of course, is a life-giving process, but it, it also does affect us in other physical and mental ways. Um, you know, the World Health Organization has commented that uh, outdoor pollution, which can include, you know, wildfire smoke, particulates, does contribute to uh, negative health outcomes and excess mortality. Um, so it's certainly uh, a threat that uh, we've, we're keeping our eye on. Yeah, and it's certainly something that... Uh... I, I I hope this isn't true, but it just seems like something we're going to have to get used to. Um, well, I, I mean, and this is this is uh, you know a call to action. I think you know it's it's clear that uh, it's not just a coincidence that we're having so many wildfires. I mean, I never thought I'd see the kind of wildfires that we're seeing out east this season. You know, mm-hmm. in Halifax, right. with all those homes being destroyed and people being displaced, uh, and, and so. You know, I think there is a call to action that, uh, you know, there are some concrete things that people can do, you know, to to mitigate against the the climate related disasters. And I think it's fair to describe them as such, you know, with, you know, me being a B.C. resident, the, the, the wildfires, the flooding, you know, the heat dome. You know, all of these are interconnected. And so it's a call to action for people to to look at sort of their climate impact and what they can do around the, the climate. Um, but also, it's a call to action for governments and employers to make sure that mental health supports are in place for people, um, that we're reducing social isolation, uh, that we're reaching out to our, especially our vulnerable communities and vulnerable neighbors, such as elders and seniors, um, to make sure that they're okay, uh, you know, so that we can uh, mitigate against some of the harmful impacts. Right. So apart from, uh, I guess, I guess that is the most uh, impactful thing about all this is, is the social isolation, people who just, who, who cannot go and be with other people. Yeah, there's that. And there's also the direct impacts of wildfires. Of course, we've, we're talking about tens of thousands of people now that have been displaced, people that are at risk of losing their homes, their livelihoods. And that creates, you know, both immediate mental health impacts as well as sometimes delayed impacts. And sometimes, you know, so that's something we're starting to appreciate more from the pandemic experience is that sometimes while people can seem okay uh, and, and deal with the initial crisis, it can be weeks or months later that we start to see a delayed impact where people are starting to get more and more anxious or starting to get depressed or experiencing post-traumatic symptoms. And, and that is actually uh, caused by the initial event, uh, but now leading to a delayed reaction. Um, so it's important that we, we keep an eye on each other that employers contribute um, to by, by, by making sure mental health supports are available to their employees, that governments contribute by making sure they're adequately funding and supporting mental health services long beyond the, the immediate impacts of a, of a disaster scenario. Because we know now from science and from our, our direct experience that, uh, that there are these delayed impacts. And it certainly seems like we're more aware these days of, of mental health. But do you think that we are, are doing enough uh, in terms of, the, you know, our workplaces and uh, our families? You know, you know, this is something where I can, I can really share a, a note of optimism. So as a, as a clinician, you know, specializing in mental health, I've really seen the conversation of, around mental health improve and, and the stigma start to, to be taken away. Um, we're seeing more and more investments into mental health. 
you know, I work at a company that provides, you know, $5,000 a year in coverage, for example, for every employee to have access to mental health uh, services, which is, which is extraordinary. And, and a call to action for others to, to, to follow suit. Um, you know, Telus Health is also involved in, in providing products and services to make sure that people have, you know, for example, unlimited mental health support through their employers. Uh, and that's another step in the right direction so that people can have access to, to mental health support. And I'm seeing governments really step in, you know, the BC government, um, governments really across the country, um, stepping in and, and contributing more and supporting more mental health services and support, both to treat people that are experiencing difficulty, but also um, you know, much to my delight, uh, prevention, you know, engaging in mental health prevention, even in our schools, to, so that our school-aged children, as they grow up, are more resilient and, and prepared for the world that they're facing uh, to, to, to prevent mental health difficulties. Right. Do you think there are enough resources out there for people who don't have a good employment plan, a health plan? Yeah, certainly more can be done here because there are gaps in coverage. Um, and, and so we're seeing tragically uh, the results of some of those gaps. Uh, you know, we have an opiate um, overdose, you know, crisis um, that can that can be partly, at least partly, attributable to untreated mental health difficulties. Um, we have individuals who are coming into emergency departments in critical uh, uh, critical states of distress because they haven't had access to mental health support or services, or are or are on very long wait lists to access those services. Um, and just like everywhere else in healthcare right now, we're facing a shortage, mm-hmm. uh, a, a, a shortage of, of qualified health workers to, to help with mental health, which is why it's so important that all of us together as a society contribute to the solutions. It's not just on the healthcare system. It's actually all of us working together to collectively improve our mental health. Well, Dr. Matthew Chow, thanks for talking to us. You're most welcome.